Welcome to Politically Enraged, the Lefty's Refuge. Politically Enraged is a podcast purpose-built to discuss British and international disunity in political spaces, talk through ideas, introduce you to amazing people, and fight back against authoritarianism. My name is David Moo, I'm your host, and I hope you'll stick with us. Follow our Twitter at Political Rages, find us on Instagram and Coffee at Politically Enraged, and let's speak truth to power. Welcome to today's episode of Politically Enraged, featuring one of my close friends from the internet, because I only make friends on the internet, Jay Page, who is a recording artist. Jay is a fantastic musician and a trans man, and I decided to invite him on to speak about his experience, both of being a musician and being trans in a Britain that is allied against transgender people. I hope you enjoy the episode and you learn lots. And one thing I will ask is, if you are a decent human being, please support trans rights. Enjoy. So yes, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's super exciting to speak to you. In I well, not IRL, obviously, but as IRL as it ever gets. Mm. But um, just incidentally, I might actually come over your way soon because I'm really bored of Leeds at the minute and I want to explore. <laughs> oh God, absolutely do it. I, now that things are like more, less, ah, uh, we're going to die at end of the world. Absolutely. Come over whenever you want. We've got a cat, so you can come and see her. She's Her name is Worm. So, and she hates people, but she loves cuddles. So it's a really fun dynamic for us all. Hard relate, hard relate. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we were just saying, like, it's really cool to actually chat to each other. I have lots of questions for you. Because obviously, like, I've been like one of those people who just stands in the back with binoculars for a while, watching you, like, just suddenly exploding all over the internet and everything. Um, And imagine my surprise the other day when I opened up TikTok and there you were talking about being on a documentary so (laughs) fill me in please well I like to do little sneak attacks on um on you know the music industry because when I think I'm quite done with just releasing one song and then that's going to be the end of that chapter I like to go oh yeah and by the way I'm actually trying to also be an activist so you better watch out uh so the documentary was actually an opportunity given to me by someone called Sinead she's a media student and her project is talking about gender identity and the impact it has within society and social media Um, and she could probably give you a much better description because all I did was sit there and awkwardly laugh and just like play with my hair while she asked me really interesting questions (laughs) but it was a really awesome opportunity to actually talk about the things that are important to me because as much as I'm a musician I can't ignore the fact that I am a trans man who's put himself in the limelight on social media, one of the most cruel places to be if you're in a marginalised group. Uh, so when you get an opportunity to actually speak and get an opportunity to be listened to, you you can't really turn that down. So I'm hoping it's the beginning of many, many amazing things. Fingers crossed. I definitely, like, one of the things that's really drawn me to you was, you probably noticed it about me, quite often my videos are a bit manufactured because I'll, you know, I'll write things down and I'll practice things before I say them because I tend to go off on long tangents and stuff. But a thing that really drew me to really getting invested in following you was that you're just so unflinchingly honest about everything that's going on, whether that is like through your music, which by the way is awesome, or (laughs) just through like just speaking and saying it at the human level, like this is who I am and this is what's going on with me. And I just want you to understand that you don't have to like it. You don't have to support or anything but factually this is what's going on with me and I've seen I get it very occasionally in my comments where people will say like thank you for making this understandable or thank you for talking about this and that's all your comments are 
and it makes me really happy. Like, like, what does it mean to you? Because I see that you have this massive fan base of people that support you both because you're musically gifted, but also because you mean something more to them. What does it like? What does it feel like for you? Honestly, I've just been a mess. I keep crying. I'm I'm the most emotional person you could like, and people don't expect it from me because I am unapologetically blunt with the way I say things, whether that's in a positive or negative way. But I think the thing that really got me is that the biggest thing I set out to do with my career, even before I knew I was trans, was to find an audience that felt like they had a bit of safety in my music because I'm not I'm not just a, a skin deep musician. I like to try and connect with people on a personal level and I never knew how I was going to be able to achieve that. And then coming out as a trans person and getting, I mean, on the day of my release, I had over 200 messages from people just saying like, oh, I came out to my parents because of you and your content. Like, I don't, the biggest one that got me was someone who said, I don't hate being trans anymore. And that's because of you. And I was just an absolute mess because in a really bittersweet way, it was, oh, I wish I had this when I was growing up. I wish I had that one person that made me understand what was going on in my head. And to be able to do that for people that honestly are at the most vulnerable, it's humbling. It, you know, when, when you, <laughs> there's specific types of people who are drawn to internet fame or like, you know, notoriety of being a micro celebrity. And I'm very glad I'm not naturally a person who lets it go to their head and becomes extremely arrogant because of it. Cause they feel important because people say they're important. I've gone the opposite way where if anything, I feel like the smallest person on earth because all of these people around me are finally getting a bit of a voice and they're finally, they're, they're starting to feel heard. And it makes you realize how actually unimportant you are in all of this because everyone around you is just as important. Their feelings are just as important. Their, their experiences are just as valid. So it's been amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I never thought that this could happen to a person like me. I think that's, what you touched on is really important there because it's obviously kind of in a different way, but it's not about the individual. It sounds very like, like I'm like talking about internet communism here, but it's, it's not about you. It's about the collective that you build, isn't it? Like I'm aiming to try and get more people involved in politics and realize the power that we have amongst ourselves. But obviously you'll know from seeing me on the internet, one of the things I'm obsessively passionate about is standing up for trans people. And as someone that's not trans, but an ally, Obviously, I worry all the time I'm going to put my foot in it. And the other day I tried very hard to have like a reasonable discussion with some people with turfy beliefs. And it was just the stupidest thing I could have done. And I had a few trans people afterwards be like, why did you do that? If they call themselves gender critical or turfs, they're far gone and you can't save them. Yeah, you but can't like, argue stupid, you know. I'm no, exactly. And it was pointless to try. But I think it's like one of the things that really matters to me personally, even though I'm not trans, is seeing more positive trans representation in the media. Because there are some, you know, like fixed trans people who are in the media regularly. But mm. for me, it should be a much broader spectrum. It's all because I really like Kate Montgomery personally. Um, I'd hope to speak to her at some point. But I also think there's a lot of other trans people out there like yourself who are like super wise, who've been through different paths and experiences, who can bring a lot more nuance to the like that discussion even though i hate calling it that and make people realize that trans people are just normal human beings yeah absolutely because I, I, the biggest like don't get me wrong i'm not using trigger in a satirical way but the biggest trigger i think for trans people is when you have to deal with people who are absolutely well-meaning and i don't mean yourself because you're also in the lgbtq 
you're part of that family. But I mean, like cishet people who say the same thing over and over. It's like, you know, well, I don't see you as trans. I don't see you as a trans man. You're a man. And it's not that simple because I absolutely understand that you're trying to make me feel normal. But if anything, you're making me feel like the biggest thing in the room because you are drawing attention to the fact that I'm not like you. And if you broke me down on like, on a general basis of everything that I've gone through in my life and then compared it to another person, Barbie and transgender, we are much the same. The big, like when we talk about transitioning and I know a lot of trans people do agree, we're transitioning for peace. So on a level we can forget about it because there's nothing more frustrating about knowing you have to go to the bank to change your address and you have to take seven forms of ID just to prove that you are that person because you have your deed poll, your birth certificate, your passport, everything else. And all I want to do is go back to a time in my life where all I had to do was go to the bank with my passport and be like, oh yeah, I'm the person I say I am. And that might seem unimportant to a lot of people, um, but it's a burden like the, one of the minimal burdens that you are reminded every day that you are different and life is a little bit harder. And we, uh, my partner and I, we went to a, a trans rights protest the other day about putting trans in the band for conversion therapy. And I was so naive to think that I was going to go there and feel empowered because I was surrounded by my community. And I just felt scared because all I could see were people that were younger than me by themselves in groups of friends and thinking, you have all this to come if this doesn't get better. And that is, that's terrifying. Like we were surrounded by a beautiful spectrum of people on that gender identity spectrum. And if I'm being completely honest with you, I think the people I saw looking the most uncomfortable were trans women because <laughs> everyone, well, not everyone, but you know, LGB focuses on them, um, transphobes focus on them. Like we had LGB people at this protest screaming things like women's rights are human rights and LGB drop the T and just stupid fucking chat. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear. <laughs> just oh no, you swear away, swear away. <laughs> okay, but just stupid chance that again, is just the same thing, like a broken record over and over. And I could see an entire community that just didn't look like they were feeling empowered. They were just like, ah, another thing. Another thing, we have come here and you are still invading our space and saying that we are the predators and we are the people upsetting you. It's exhausting. With, with my, my career, my platform, I really want to remind people that it is going to be uncomfortable because the world isn't perfect, because there are always going to be bad people in the world that make you feel like you're insignificant. However, you can choose how you respond to them and you can find a home within your community, whether that's the trans community or just your own personal community, your family safety net, that kind of thing. When you have people like that around you, you are so much stronger. And unfortunately, that's the best we're allowed to have at this moment in time. And I think it's because you were talking about you like educating people online about politics. I really enjoy having, say, someone like you online who can explain things like politics to people because it frustrates me no end when people are like, oh, well, I don't vote because it's nothing to do with me. I don't get it. Yeah. Biggest eye roll of the century because I don't understand politics. But before every election, I will educate myself on each party. And I'm, I'm not a fool. I know it's basically a <laughs> it's a majority vote at this point between Labour and Conservative. But I still do my research to make sure I'm actually voting for someone who'd be good for everyone and not just me. Um, and it's good to have stuff like, you know, your content online where that's possible, where it's easily accessible. 
So I don't know how you deal with people who just yell at you all the time because <laughs> in a way. Well, in a way, I find it funny, and I, I mean, you you must get the same as well. But like, it doesn't matter what you do; it literally doesn't matter what you do. There's a guy who makes cakes on TikTok, and I've been through his comments before, and he gets like ridiculous comments, like abuse and stuff. And he makes cakes. So the way that I see it is, some people are just really angry, and they just want to be angry at someone. And I don't often take it personally. There's very few instances where I do. There's also certain issues that I I will take that abuse for. And it actually started when the BLM protests happened in America. I was like, suddenly like, I was living in this tiny flat on my own. I was thrust into this world all of a sudden of like, oh my God, black people in America go through nightmares. Oh my God, black people in England are speaking up and saying it happens here. And then one of my best friends is a trans guy. And he was talking to me about like all the stuff that happened to him. And then JK Rowling wouldn't shut the fuck up. And <laughs> so just like all of a sudden I was just like, I'm angry at all of these injustices all at once. And so I started speaking up for people that I th I was like, you know, I'm, I'm well lucky. I said it the other day in a video. I am a white, I am a cis, I am a man, I am, I'm not straight, but you know, I know that it's difficult to believe, but I can dial back my sexuality and hide it. So I can pass as society's fucking darling human being. And because I could do that, I know what it's like to live a life without these burdens. And I want that for people. Like, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Honestly, like, I mean, I, it might be you going, you know, that's stating the obvious, but within the trans community, I am considered a privileged person because I'm uh, transitioning aside. I'm white, I'm five foot seven. So I'm average height for a man or I'm a short man. I am bisexual. So I could choose to be with a woman if need be for my safety. I have had top surgery. I have had, um, I went private for my top surgery because of the people that raised the money for me. The same with my hormones. As a whole, when I reach further along on my hormone journey, when I start to pass to society standards, I am a lot safer than like a five foot three black trans man. And that's because of all of these things included. I mean, being a person of color obviously is the biggest thing that is, you know, a threat to them. But the fact that they don't pass as easily it's grim because my partner, he's, he's smaller than me. And he says it's so frustrating when people say to him, well, the goal isn't to pass. Because for him, it is. For his safety, it is. Because, I mean, he's no coward. He'll use the men's toilets. He doesn't care. But he does care on a level because there is going to be one instance where he goes in there by himself and there's going to be someone who's not that nice on the other side of the door. I've experienced it myself. I've been intimidated in men's toilets. I've experienced verbal abuse. And that's from someone who 50% of the time I pass. You know, when I don't pass, I get called like the F slur because people assume that I'm camp and I'm gay. So really, for a trans person, I'm privileged. And that's when you realise that the system is absolutely fucked because even in marginalised groups, there are people that are better off. And like, there is this, this part of you that, I mean, and <laughs> maybe this is a pick me complex, but you probably get it because you said that, you know, you within society are considered more privileged. You feel this part guilt because you don't have to deal with as much as other people have to deal with, despite the fact that you are still in the marginalized community because you're a gay man. Yeah, and despite the fact that I'm in a marginalized group, but I'm I'm a white man, you know, like, it, and it sucks because you wanna help people with these issues, but you're so aware of the fact that it can be coming from like a savior point of view. And, you know, I, I've got this platform where I'm saying to people, hey, it gets better, you're gonna be okay. It sounds like I don't mean it, when obviously I do, because like it, you know, transitioning saved my life. I didn't think I'd get to a point like where I am now. 
but it's really hard when you've got all these people who are like my mum won't let me go on testosterone or I came up to my parents and they took me off their health insurance or I got disowned or I got hate crime today at work and it's just how how why am I expecting people to believe me when I say it gets better because I really hope it does but it's not a reality for a lot of people I think the thing is and I try and explain this about the whole spectrum of everything that we talk about as as two different people all the time like things do get better things will get better but it's it's a long haul kind of situation like things aren't going to change overnight they're not going to change in a week they're not going to change in a month and what that needs is fortitude from people that are are on the ground fighting that are putting themselves out there that are talking to people and saying this is me and you're not going to put me off and you're not going to stop me and intimidate me because more and more people i would hope will wake up to the injustices in a way every time someone like jk rowling speaks up and says some other nonsense it makes it it sure it like galvanizes the ones who are already way off the deep end but it also like i see more and more people going what there's um there's a woman who runs a charity that's trying to help the nhs through the tories and she's been very very non-partisan for such a long time to the point where i almost considered unfollowing her because i was like you are a medical health professional please speak up about this and the last time rowling really went off on one she finally tweeted and was like, I'm so sorry, I'm probably gonna lose followers for this, but it is disgusting to see JK Rowling mobilizing her platform like this. And I was like, yes, finally. Honestly, like, cause I see it all the time and I, I never used to get why people were like, well, why is this person not spoken about it? Because it's important. And I used to be a bit like, well, you know, they've got a lot to do in their life. This isn't their entire life, but there is absolutely a pressure to talk about hot topics when you are someone who's a, a really active ally of that community, or if you are a person of, of that community. Because I see it all the time where like people would just tag me in trans news and I'm like, oh, fuck, another one, another one. Like there, there's the whole JK Rowling thing. It is absolutely heartbreaking when you're a person who invested so much in a person who you grew up with. So when I was um, when I was younger, I went to um, a school in London. It was like a boarding school. Um, and I was really struggling with being away from home. And so my memory of that school was rereading the Harry Potter books just over and over. And it really sucks because there is a memory now of my life that I thought was quite positive, which is just tainted with sadness because I can't believe that someone I admired so much could be such a low life of a human being to think that because she has some sort of power that her opinion actually matters. It's, it's disgusting. Like, and when people were defending her coming out about like this whole essay she wrote where she was like, oh, well, I misspoke. I wrote it wrong. You're a fucking author. Exactly. <laughs> you have no excuse. You you calculated every word that you wrote and then you chose to make it worse. You antagonized not only an entire community, but people who believed in you, like tweeting things about like, you know, from turfy shops and then being coming out about like the whole self ID thing from the perspective of a woman who's experienced domestic abuse. Right. That has nothing to do with trans women. That that's that's predatory men. That's nothing to do with. I could go on a tangent about that all day. <laughs> I think that's the thing, though. It's interesting for me to speak to trans people about this because I like I'm guilty of it as well. You'll know if you've listened to my podcast episodes about trans rights and stuff. I am so guilty of it. I am. I'm just another fucking cis white guy who's like, so here's my opinion about trans stuff, and it's like, it's not good. <laughs> it's like 
it's great that it aligns to the what I would think is the right side of the spectrum where I'm trying to protect trans people. But it, I also, I refuse to be another person just fucking like chatting about transgender people as if as if you aren't real human beings that deserve to have your voices heard. And that's the thing that annoys me the most. Like, look at The Guardian casually coming out with, oh, trans people should be included in the ban. Trans people's mental health is low. Yeah, because you've been consistently enabling people to speak against them. You've got people writing in The Spectator. The BBC did that disgustingly transphobic article. Where in any of those things do you ever see just an everyday trans person that isn't that weird professor who says that they're not trans, but they are trans, but they're not trans, but they are trans, or my ex who is a trans woman and is also a turf like it's you don't even get me started honestly like if Please you hear this, this audio visual for the podcast so they could just see my jaw drop that's it's, it just make it make sense with with all of it like i i mean this is my my perspective as, as a trans person and it probably absolutely helps that we are friends we talk every so often online it's really nice to see someone who has first of all no actual like personal investment in the trans community and I mean being trans yourself not that you don't support trans people or have trans friends but also because you're not trying to get popular off of it and trying to win the approval of cisgender people you are actually just speaking on it because you care about it so um, I don't know if you remember that thing thing that went around especially during the whole Black Lives Matter protest where it was like it's not enough to be not racist you have to be hardcore anti-racism yep. it is yep. the same with any marginalized group it is not enough anymore to do a one-click signature on a petition. You have to go to these marches. You have to support your trans friends. You have to let them talk about it instead of pinning them as a snowflake that's obsessed with being trans or gay or bi or, or anything. Like I, um, the surgeon that I went with for my top surgery, the thing that made me trust him the most is that he is an active ally in the trans community. He's not just a cosmetic surgeon. He actually has like trans people working with him for him because he believes in empowering a community that gets shit on so often. His name is Ioannis Natanos. If anyone wants to just look at his social media, he's fantastic. He was um, actually at the protest the other day on his day off. And seeing someone who honestly, from an objective point of view, his investment in the trans community would be, oh, you pay me money so I can give you the surgery that you want. He sees it as I'm empowering people so that they can start living their life. This is what we need from allies. I'm very sick of seeing people just sharing shit on their stories and thinking, well, I've done it. I'm such a good friend. I saw none of my, I saw none of my cisgender friends at this protest with me. It was me and my partner. It was disappointing. And it's their prerogative. They can do what they want with it. You know, it's, I don't, I don't think they're awful people because they can't make time. But at what point in your life are you going to start making time to support people that desperately need your help? I think that's, that speaks to the privilege of it. And it's that that annoys me. Another thing that I learned Uh, really quickly when I started listening to black people speak about their experiences was in in particular there's one person I think her name's Jasmine and she's on TikTok Mm. and she did this video where she was like do not tell black people what is and is not racist and I had to relate it to my own experience as a gay man she was like as a black person if I tell you that something is problematic and racist it's not because I'm a snowflake it's because from birth I have always seen those things. And I, you know, I spoke about my experiences of being a gay guy from very young. 
I heard people being like, oh, he's such a faggot. Oh, what a puff. Oh, a little gay boy. Oh, what a little Nancy. And I, so I grew up really finely attuned to pick up the overt stuff, but also the stuff that other people wouldn't notice, you know, things that, you know, you were saying about things that you think are supportive. Like when people say like, who's the man in the relationship? We're both, we're both men. What kind of question is it's heteronormative bullshit? And it comes across as like a funny thing to ask, but yeah. it genuinely, that question pushes my rage button so quickly. Cause I'm like, yeah. I mean, the best yeah. thing I found is because I, I was previously like when I identified as a woman, I was I was a lesbian, um, and now I somehow ended up a gay man. So, you know, things happen. Um, and <laughs> I I used to get asked that question a lot. It's like, you know, well, who's the man in the relationship? And I was like, when you eat with chopsticks, do you question which one's the fork? And they were just like, well, no. And it's like, right, it's because we we're two women. We are we are dating. We're in a relationship. It's people have this really stupid need to make things make sense in their head. You know, it's the same with, I've had really grim comments like, who's the bottom, who's the top? Why are you obsessed? Why do you exactly. want to know what goes on in my sex life? Because the second I kiss my partner in public, I guarantee you'll say, don't shove that down my throat. Exactly. And that is the thing that annoys me. These people can choose when to pick it up and put it down. They can choose, uh, you know what? I, I can't really go to that rally actually. I've got really, really busy at work. Or, they can choose to be like, oh, I'm not going to retweet that actually because I know that a bunch of turfs are just going to like dive on it and things like that. But then it's also of, it's not the same, but it's, it's all feeds into that stream, that river that leads to like, oh, you know, all these gays and trans people everywhere. Like just like, they're just trying to take over society. And it's like, no matter what happens, we are and will always be a tiny tiny proportion of society we're not taking anything away we're not stripping anything back we're not changing what your freedoms are if your freedoms revolve around being able to openly slur people then that's not freedom that's just you desperate to be an asshole without consequences yeah so it's trying to like get people to see that that message of like we aren't and have never been a threat and like i think maybe one thing that really annoys me when it comes to the the battle to like normalize trans people is a lot of people either because again like one of the pitfalls that i find is people will be like well maybe it's because there's more trans people being prominently represented and i'm like you're again blaming trans people just for existing and being in the spotlight for their own oppression or like that whole thing that you just said there like the way that our whole community and this goes for every single letter we are all sexualized immediately like yeah. if you look at the don't say gay bill it's like well, we can't we can't talk to children about gay and it's like what's the difference between mrs johnson has a husband and mrs johnson has a wife like where's the sexy element there yeah, it just fully sexualizes people who honestly like want to just get on with their lives. And you know, it's so funny you say that because I remember one of my old jobs I used to do, it was um, it was like door-to-door charity person. And I just remember being out on the rounds with one of these guys and we went for lunch and like we were just having a break. And he said to me, he was like, So, like, are you a lesbian? And I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, mentioned I had a girlfriend. And he was like, Right. He went, I don't want to offend you or anything, but like am I allowed to ask questions? And I was like, well, as long as you're not asking about my sex life, then you can ask anything you want. Cause it turns out he was actually from a very sheltered Christian family where he'd never met a gay person. And the only thing he asked me was, how did you know that you're actually gay? 
like what would stop me from knowing that I'm gay like you know which is just egg territory like if you're asking stuff like that but even if it wasn't I was just like right well when you picture your future with your potential partner can you imagine waking up getting out of bed bringing them a cup of coffee and laying on their chest and he was like well yeah if it's a girl and I was like right imagine if that's a guy and he just went oh no no I, I couldn't imagine that and I just went right well being gay, similarly to him being heterosexual, is about emotional connection. And I was like, and in my future, I see it with, you know, A, B and C of potential partners. Um, whereas for some people, they can only see a guy or they can only see a girl or anyone that fits in between. Um, that is how you can, in a non-sexual way, <laughs> describe being gay to someone whether they're an adult or a child, my niece, she, she, um, so she's grown up seeing me be going straight to gay to trans <laughs> and then gay <laughs> trans. And she was like, Hell. but when I initially came out as a lesbian, I, um, she was like, oh, are we seeing like this partner? And I hadn't told her I'd broken up with him because it'd been quite recent. And I was like, oh no, um, I actually came out uh, as gay. I'm not into boys anymore. And she just looked a bit confused and she was like, so you'd have a girlfriend instead of a boyfriend and I was like yeah and she went all right she was six exactly it's like, like this this whole shelter the children thing is just such nonsense I don't I think damaging. ultimately I think that we all know that it's really about like making people like us miserable it's not about protecting anyone because we, you don't need to be protected and it's not about stopping people from being confused because if you are confused you're going to be confused anyway I, like I experimented with girls at once and was <laughs> like was like nope this is not for me because I thought about boys yeah. the whole time like it's it just it just doesn't work that way and that experience helped me anyway because I was like this is not for me but like people don't understand how small the sex part is of any relationship. If you ask me, if your whole relationship is based around sex, that's an unhealthy relationship, unless that's what you're going for. But like, you know, I regularly get told um, by transphobes, like, oh, well, you must be bi if you'd, if you'd go with a trans man. And I'm like, why? Because like 2% of the time we'd be having sex and it would be, it might be with a guy with a vagina. Like, I'm looking for someone that's going to walk across the city when it's raining at two o'clock in the morning to bring me a flower because I'm sad. And I don't yeah. care if, I don't care if that's a guy with a vagina or a guy with a penis. I don't, if, if yeah. that person loves and accepts me for who I am, is that not more important than what's in their pants? And do you not find it creepy that you, I'm not saying don't have a genital preference, but what I'm saying is, well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's my business. It's my business to label what my sexuality is. And I'm a gay, gay man. It's my business to decide like what my partner is to me. And it's this whole like prescription of like penis and vagina. It's just like, honestly, it's such childish discourse that I just like roll my eyes every time I see it. People get very hooked on what a label means to the majority rather than to them. Because I, so like with, with genital preference, I'm absolutely for that. I, like whenever I see people being like, oh, if he has a vag, I'm not dating him we probably don't want to date you either that's that's fine like I'm I'm actually not I'm I'm attracted to queer people so like actually I'd say the people I'm not attracted to are um like straight women I'm not attracted to straight women because 
this just doesn't do it for me. But I like people within the LGBT, uh, LGBTQ community because probably as a safety thing, but also because that's where most of my dating pool has been. Like, you know, when, when you've been living as a lesbian for so long and then you come out as a trans guy, you have to kind of re-navigate your, your dating pool because you've, it's, I've, I've had a lot of people who have said things to me like, oh, you're a waste of a lesbian or you can't just expect women to date you now that you're a man. And I don't want to date those people anyway. Actually, when I first came out, the only thing I wanted to do was work on myself. And then I was very lucky to kind of fall into a relationship at the time I did. And so was my partner because it's it's been the healthiest relationship I've ever had. So I don't care that I had to wait for that. But people get so upset about thinking that I want to date them. Babe, it'd be a fucking privilege for you. I'm funny as fuck. I'm a really good cook. I'm a cat lover. I'm very clean. What is, what, what, what's wrong with that? Oh, I've got a fanny. Fuck. Shit. You know what? That's, that's the deal breaker there. I will treat you like a princess, but no head. Fine. (laughs) People get so upset about, about genitals. And it's just like all trans, transphobic and homophobic arguments boil down to why are you so obsessed with me? Because I actually don't think about you. But you are sat here being so upset and so, oh, the children. Right. You're saying, oh, the children. But a lot of people who think like that probably beat their kids, talk to their kids like shit. Don't give them any independence. Then have children who, when they hit puberty, realize that they've faced injustice their entire life and make silly decisions based on the fact that they've had no actual parental guidance. So if you're really worried about how your kids are going to turn up, be a good fucking parent. That's something that really irks me about the whole situation because now i want to preface this because my dad's probably going to listen to this by saying (laughs) my parents are lovely but they are of a generation that just didn't get it and i still you know like like my mom i loved my mom she my mom was amazing but her shortcomings were that she thought it was a choice and i could never get it into her head that i i literally liked boys my entire life i just didn't tell people because i was frightened of what people would say and that she just wasn't very she wasn't super supportive mm-hmm. um for a very long time and it's like the damage that that did is never going to go away i i can't fix that and i don't think if my mom was alive today and we talked about it every single day for the next year i don't think it would fix it but i knew from a very young age that i was gay and that i couldn't tell people because people would react badly and that's a generational thing you know my mum was raised to believe that it's a choice and that I was like choosing it and those things the funny thing is you get to like everyone's everyone's had the question like would you choose it would you choose it and I'm like yeah because I've always been gay you know like sure it's brought me some misery and bullying and pain and confusion and I used to hate myself but I don't now and this is who I am Mm -hmm. who would I be if I wasn't like this would I be some vacuous asshole homophobe straight guy who you know drinks 12 cans of beer crushes it against his forehead and then goes and hits his wife because she's pissed him off like what if that's the risk i'm taking i would not i wouldn't change who i am because even though it's been fucking miserable it's not me that's got the problem it's a very very ignorant society and that's something they have to deal with not me that's actually a really nice way to phrase it because I've never actually thought of it like that because actually, I, and I actually said it yesterday, if I had, if being trans was a choice, it'd be something that I wouldn't choose. 
not taking into consideration that the reason I wouldn't choose it is actually because of the way that society treats me. Because I've, I mean, it depended how deep you want to get in this. I can tell you some of like mental illness and stuff like that that led to this point. So I have had body image issues since I was about seven or eight years old. Very aware of my body and how something wasn't right, but it wasn't, I did not have this clear thing from a young age where it's like, I'm a boy. I'm absolutely a boy because I didn't have the language for it. I didn't think it was possible. Um, and plus trans men weren't represented in the media as trans women were. And even back then it was nothing. Mm. Um, and basically I'd say from about 10 years old, I was in a continuous loop of different types of eating disorders, whether that was orthorexia, anorexia, um, you know, binging and purging, binge eating disorder, which honestly was the hardest one to break because it's, it's, it's emotional eating, you know, I, I still do it now. Sometimes when I'm really stressed, I think oh, I could just eat so much food because we're humans and it's what we do. It's easy. And until I came out, I didn't have a positive relationship with my body. And then actually when I came out, I realized that I didn't hate myself because I thought I was fat. I didn't like the parts of me that were womanly. And when I realized that I actually physically cannot change some of these attributes, 10, 12 years of eating disorder, like thoughts went away like that. Best therapy I ever had was coming out. Hmm. And the, the best antidepressant I did was going on testosterone and getting surgery because I look at my body now and I genuinely love my trans body. I love the body that has been created for me that I've created for myself and if I'd stayed a woman, I don't think that would have been possible for me because I would have been searching for a reason of why do I keep doing this to myself? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pretending that it's like, oh, well, every woman that has eating disorders is clearly trans. It's not the case because I've seen, you know, my, my parents have had their, their various mental illness, um, mental health problems. My mum had um, quite a severe eating disorder for most of my life. And now she's very much over the other side of that. And she loves her womanly body. She loves the, you know, she's dead into CrossFit. You know, she's made herself like a little muscle tank and, you know, but she loves being a woman. I, I would never have reached that point. I would have just gotten to a point where I was like, right, well, what now? Because I don't have a coping mechanism. And, you know, um, it was the healthiest thing I did was ever coming out. And <laughs> the point of me saying that was, you know, actually, I don't think I would choose to not be trans. I would just choose for society to be kinder to trans people because coming out saved my life in various ways. And the fact that people would have rather of me remained um, probably a dead woman is says a lot more about them than about me being trans because exactly. they would have been comfortable with me taking my own life rather than me actually living and being happy and having a career and having a boyfriend who loves the bones of me and a stupid cat that can't sit upright. It's, you know, it's, it's life is beautiful if you want it to be. Um, so yeah, I would, I would choose to be trans actually. It's fucking sick a lot of the time. I think the, when you look at how society is about it all, when you look at how society treats trans people, I think it's obviously really, it must, I have absolutely no idea what it's like to, you know, go through the things that trans people do, whether that's having, um, dysphoria, dysphoria, where did that go? Whether that's <laughs> having dysphoria or like other things like that, obviously that's difficult, but I think the main part of what being trans, like 
the difficulty comes with healthcare that takes years to kick in, a system that's weighted against you because they're suspicious that you're like trying to change your gender marker for fun or something like honestly like it's why would I go through this much struggle why like why would anyone go through this much struggle and and because I mean again we can't deny that all of this conversation is just focused at trans women they do not care about people like me they look at me and they see a silly little girl who's playing dress up and wants to be a man they look at trans women and they see a rapist and a predator and a threat and these are the people we need to support because, and I mean, I, I, I don't know if you have many cis listeners or people who don't have trans friends, but if you really want to break it down at the moment, the wait for a gender clinic is about five years. And that is upon referral from your doctor. And then from that five year point, you hit five years, you then get an appointment, which is maybe three months in the future, right? Then you have another appointment after that, just to make sure you're trans. Then you have another appointment after that to get you on your hormones. And then after that appointment, you have to wait two years for top surgery. And people will use the argument of, well, the NHS is underfunded because, you know, there's actually people who are ill. Me being trans doesn't take away from people getting heart operations. You know, my granddad who has heart disease was on a waiting list for a year for heart surgery. The problem here is not trans people. It's the NHS is entirely underfunded. That's what you should be mad at. But people love to grab someone to blame. That's it. It's as simple as that. And, you know, I'm not doing this for fun. I don't put my safety at risk for fun. You know, do you think I'm really going to enjoy the next time I go to another country and I have to take my shirt off and you can tell that I've had top surgery? It's really weird. I, I'll i never understand people that think that trans people do it for like larks or whatever. But yeah. I think those people are just completely off the deep end because they just don't, they don't understand the experience and they don't want to. There's this kind of weird idea that, that trans people aren't trans or that trans people have something wrong with them. But when you look at the whole spectrum of humanity... Of course, there's going to be gender divergence, like, and like, my favorite thing is, there's always these arguments of like, well, gender's a binary. No, it's not. Well, well, sex is a binary. No, it's not. (laughs) And and, and you'll be like, like, because I really hate seeing people anywhere weaponize like intersex people as like, oh, well, look at this. But like, it, it is a factual thing. There are intersex people. And if there are intersex people, it's not a binary. Someone the other day posted a screenshot to someone that I follow on Twitter. And it was like, uh, look at look at this then. And it was like 49% male, a tiny little square in the middle of intersex people and then female underneath. Mm. And it was like, that's not a binary. Like yeah. that, it might be a tiny square in the middle, but that is not a binary. And you are arguing from a binary point of view. So you are wrong. <laughs> yeah, and they get so upset over it. And I, I think the biggest thing I'd want from the future, and this, this is probably... I don't know how to word it because it is, I'm absolutely not saying this because I want cis approval, but more as a thing that should be in the future. It shouldn't be us against them. It shouldn't be us fighting for our right because when you just start shouting, someone is going to shout louder. Mm-hmm. And if you are the one that's considered different, you are probably not going to win. What we need is genuinely from both sides are people listening to each other and being open to having their views changed. Because I am a person who is very justice driven. And so I see these people around me that are hurting and they feel like I just want to fix them and make it better and scream and riot. 
but that's not going to win. What I want to do with my career is manage to infiltrate the music industry to a point where I have a big enough platform where it's like, right, discuss. But, you know, you are going to hear what I'm saying and I'm not going to attack your character. I'm not going to say you're stupid. I'm not going to say that you are uneducated or it's a detriment to your character. I'm going to tell you genuine facts and I want you to respond with evidence-based facts which aren't from an emotionally driven point of view based upon transphobia. But if you can uh, supply me with actual evidence that being trans is bad for your life, then maybe I'll eat my words. But it's impossible because it doesn't. It doesn't affect you at all. The most important thing that I said to my mum when we were arguing about my sexuality, and I think this is very reflective of the whole, I don't want to call it a debate, but you know what it's I mean? The whole debate. It's a debate at the end of the day. Like the most important thing that I said to her, and I will remember this till the day I die, she said to me, I don't know what you want. And I said, I just want you to accept me for who I am. And she said, I'll never accept you for who you are. She took that back later down the line. But then she said, I just don't understand why you're doing this because you've made your life so much harder. And I said, I can't choose this, but do you know what would make my life easier? If the one person I thought I could trust to be on my side was on my side. And that... Sure, for me, that comes from mum. But, like, when it comes to the debate, this whole fucking ridiculous thing, like, these people that are allied against the trans community don't seem to understand that they are fighting against their own rights, but that's hidden behind, like, what they're talking about. They don't seem to realise that bodily autonomy is being discussed more openly, that women's rights are being rolled back in America, because Mm. this debate is happening here, because we're talking about a small subset of people's bodily autonomy that mm. can then be reflected over onto a bigger side. Fuck me, the, the person that is one of the most senior judges that's arguing against trans inclusion in America is also one of the main authors of the bill that's just been passed that means that women can't seek an abortion at all in a whole state. It's just wild to me. Like, there is no other way to put it. It's just wild to me that people hate other people so much. Uh-huh. because of their personal opinion exactly. like i i don't know what my future is going to be with children because like i i have like some fertility like issues anyway being on testosterone there's a big chance it could make me infertile mm. however if i was in a situation where even consensually i got impregnated and i didn't want to keep it because it wouldn't be fair on me or that child I didn't realize that knowing that I have access to abortions is a privilege. Like when you word it like that, it's like uh, a medical procedure is a privilege. It's, it's, in, I mean, uh, it's entirely classist. It's entirely fucking from a male point of view as well. It's wild to me, you know, as a uterus haver, it is wild to me at the thought of we could live in, I could be living in a, in a country that eventually one day could be like, ah, no, you're not allowed anymore. Same as with conversion therapy. It was like, yes, they're banning conversion therapy on the day. Not for you, trans. What? (laughs) That should be a tipping point for anybody. Even if you have these, like, concerns about transgender people, the question now isn't, like, are you okay with trans inclusion? It's, are you okay with trans torture? And it's, it's literally that simple. Are you okay with the torture of transgender people? And if you are then you don't have concerns. You don't have like these legitimate concerns about your own safety. You are endorsing the literal torture of fellow human beings. And if you do that, 
then you are not a good person and your fight is not a righteous one. And that's just, it's that simple. Absolutely. I agree. I have a really important question for you. Oh, go on. How come so many trans guys have really good eyebrows? My eyebrows are so tiny and thin. <laughs> I'd like, I'm like, I'm like, is it the testosterone? Because if it is, I might start trying to buy some online and get some oh, thick ass brows. <laughs> honestly, this was my, um, so on, on my uh, dad's side, there's like, um, like Romany gypsy. And so we all have like really like strong jaws, strong noses and thick eyebrows. The one thing I'll be happy that I got from my family, bar my singing voice. But <laughs> honestly, it's great. I love having thick eyebrows. I actually always did when I was um, identifying as a woman. Funnily enough, I really enjoyed having masculine traits. I wonder why. That was, that was an egg ready to be cracked. <laughs> <laughs> well... This is something that I've really wanted to chat about for a while, and I'm glad that it was you that I got to chat to, because I feel like you deserve to be out there more. Um, I like the way that you put things across and stuff. My question is, what's like, what's the plan for the future then? Because you mentioned obviously the whole like, get a bigger platform and try and get out there to more people. But like, do you have like ideas for what comes next? Yeah, so I'm actually it's mostly music driven at the moment because the main aim is to to gain visibility um for everything that i'm doing so i've got um a few gigs lined up so the next gig i'm going to be doing is on the 14th of may in london at the old blue last um which is really exciting for me because it's my first proper gig as a trans musician um like post like you know surgery and everything like that so it's like quite a big deal um, and then I've got more gigs lined up for the future, which are to be confirmed. But I think like uh, it's mostly gigs at this point. And I'm hoping to be releasing a couple new tunes this year. Going to be releasing this documentary around June. Um, and then 2023 is, fingers crossed, I'm going to be going on tour in the UK. So just onwards and upwards, really. <laughs> just, um, But it's really weird because I've got all these plans, but because things aren't like absolutely happening right now i feel a bit like a drift since the music release i'm just kind of floating and waiting to see what happens but it's, mm -hmm. it's exciting glad that this is the journey i'm on well awesome and uh, i'll definitely keep obsessively following you so i know what's going on <laughs> same applies <laughs> yeah well mutual stalkers what can i say it's uh, it's a good way to <laughs> me but um it was really awesome to to do this thank you for sparing some time for me no problem thank you for having me Thanks for listening to Politically Enraged, a podcast designed to discuss politics palatably. If you're interested in following us on social media, you can find me at Davy Moo pretty much everywhere. And you can also find us on Instagram at Politically Enraged, where you can see the blog. You can find us on Kofi in case you'd like to caffeinate me. And you can find us on Twitter at Political Rages. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, stay politically engaged and get politically enraged. Because remember, we deserve better. <laughs>